0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Can I encourage you today? When you're bummed, frustrated, disgruntled, don't understand what's going on, that you would first, that your first step would be to go to the Lord. And you'd be blown away at times how God just changed your perspective. Nothing changed but Elijah's perspective. He was misunderstanding The reality: Had he not gone to the Lord, I don't think he would have received the divine response. But he took it to the Lord. He prayed. Even as I look at his prayer, even though his prayer was against Israel, God said, okay, but at least you came to me with it, and I'm going to straighten you out.
0: It's hard not to allow our emotions to rule us. We feel so strongly, yet so much of our feelings are based on perspective. When you walk down the street and someone won't move out of your way, it's frustrating. But from their perspective, you won't move out of their way. Pastor Bill reminds us today that our perspective is not the same as God's because he sees it all. So while your emotions may be strong, don't forget to approach the Lord in humility, inquiring as opposed to demanding. Remember, his ways are not your ways. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Follow along with me, Romans 11, 1 through 6. I say then... Has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to bow. Even so then at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So let's go ahead and break that down. First off, God says, look, Have I, you know, Paul asked a question. I told you guys, that's kind of Paul's teaching style. Has God turned his back on Israel? Has God cast away his people? Paul says, certainly not. He answers it in verse one. Verse two, he follows it up and says, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew, right? It's not like God chose them and then they didn't like him. They didn't respond. And God's like, man, I thought y'all were going to respond. And so now that y'all didn't respond, I, I changed my mind. God. Remember, we talked about that in chapter nine. God foreknew chapter eight. God already knew how they would respond. God knew what their response would be. I told you guys, as far as we're concerned, God knows every one of us. He knows what our response would be. God knew when you would be saved. God knew what kind of Christian you would be. God knew what level of obedience you would walk in. He knows everything. He foreknew. And God said, I I knew what they were going to do before they did it. So he he answers his question. Um, He has not cast off his people. Whom he but then he brings up Elijah. And if you guys remember the story of Elijah with the prophets of Baal, Elijah thought he was the only one left. You know, he was out there dealing with the prophets of Baal and he he, he prayed to God against Israel, against his own people. And he asked God to, to deal with them. He said, God, they, they've killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. He wanted God to deal with them and God's response. And I, I like what I read in verse 4. It says, but what does the divine response say? I kind of like that because he took his wrong thinking. He took his misunderstanding. um, He took it to the Lord and received a divine response from the Lord. Now, had he taken this to somebody else, if there had been one other believer that he knew of and took it to them, they might have just went back and forth saying, I know, man, it's just me and you and we all alone and nobody's with us and blah, blah, blah. But he took it to the Lord. And he received from the Lord a divine response. I just want to remind us of the privilege that we have to have access to the Lord and to seek him about things. And when you're troubled, Elijah was troubled. He felt like he was all alone. But when he cried out to the Lord, God changed perspective. Guys, let me me help you out, bro. There's 7,000 more just like you. You ain't the only one. And can I encourage you today, when you're bummed, frustrated, disgruntled, don't understand what's going on that you would first that your first step would be to go to the Lord and you'd be blown away at times how God just changed your perspective nothing changed but Elijah's perspective he was misunderstanding the reality had he not gone to the Lord I don't think he would have received the divine response but he took it to the Lord he prayed even as I look at his prayer you know his prayer was against Israel God said okay but at least you came to me with it and I'm gonna straighten you out and God straightened him out he received the divine response and so I want to encourage you guys that we can also receive a divine response if we take the moment to, to reach out and speak to the Lord. So God says, Look, there's 7,000 just like you who have not bowed the knee. And in verse five, he says, Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. You might underline that in your Bible, that phrase, election of grace. To be, election is to choose someone, is to be chosen. And grace is God's unmerited favor. So he said they're chosen on the basis of God's unmerited favor. And it's the same way that you and I are chosen, right? God didn't choose us because he saw something in us. God said, oh man, I know, man, he'd be a great catch. I bet if I I save him, he'll he'll, he'll be good at this for me. God looked down and it's, it's according to his grace that he saved us. Unmerited favor. And remember, if there is something about you worth saving, Right. Then there'd be something for you to boast in. But no, no real believer has anything to boast in. I can't go to God and be like, God, I know, you know, I know the reason you saved me is because of this quality in my life. Real valuable. You needed one of these. You know, I can't do that. I I would be foolish to do that. It's according to grace, unmerited favor. Right. Nothing great in me. And this is the story that came to my mind. I thought just a great illustration of election according to grace, choosing someone based nothing upon their behavior. If you look in the book of Judges at the story of Gideon, and I believe it's like chapter six, seven, eight, nine, or seven, eight, nine of Judges, when God came to Gideon, the Israelites were being bullied by the Midianites. They had been disobedient. God was letting the Midianites come and bully them. So imagine their agricultural society, they would till the ground, sow the wheat, harvest time would come, they would go get the wheat, and when after they collected all the wheat and were getting ready to start, you know Harvesting it, the Midianites would come and be like, Thanks very much. And they would take it all away. The people of God had got themselves into this. So when God came to uh, Gideon, Gideon was in a wine press. A wine press is is hidden so you could, you know, stomp wine out. He was in the wine press doing the wheat so that the Midianites wouldn't find him. And as he's in that position because he's afraid, God shows up and says, You mighty man of valor. And I look at that story and I think, There ain't nothing mighty. I mean, this is this guy, even his own confession. When God tells him what he's going to do, he said, look, I'm from the weakest clan and I'm the weakest one in my family. So it'd be like being the worst player on the worst football team and being told that you're going to lead your team to an NFL Super Bowl. The worst player on the worst team. I'm not going to even start the, the battle about who that is. But, you know, you take the worst player on the worst team and someone telling them, You're going to lead your team this year to the Super Bowl. It would be laughable. That's Gideon. There was nothing about him at that moment that said, this guy is going to be awesome. But God's able to see. This is something we ought to all know. God is able to see what we can be and what we will be, not what we are. He sees beyond. So I think that's how come he can love some of us. Some of us can be ugly right now, but God knows what we will be. He knows where he knows where he's going to get us. And thank God that he sees the finished product. And many times treats us accordingly. But that's what the election according to grace. God chooses according to his unmerited favor. Nothing really great about us up front. Just his grace, his goodness, his undeserved goodness. And in verse six, he explains that if it were works, it couldn't be. You can't have both. They're, they're the antithesis of each other. It's either grace. You didn't deserve it. Or it's according to works, which means that God doesn't get the glory. And so verse six again. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace because you earned it. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So um, you really can't have both. I really can't be chosen and right with God according to my work and grace. It's one or the other. So we got to be good with that. And this is the, the you know, you might be saying, well, what's the big deal with the grace and the works and all that? The biggest issue with the Jewish people is that they wanted to be received according to their work. They did a lot of works. And they were stumbled because they had done so many works. They were very religious people. And they had a hard time watching Gentiles just mosey on into a relationship with the Lord without doing no works. They didn't change their clothing. They didn't have to get circumcised. They just could be saved according to grace. That was hard. A hard pill for them to swallow. Now, look at verses 7 through 10. As God is going to explain to them, and we've talked about this several times, but there are times where people won't see. They won't receive they won't listen and eventually get to the point where now they can't hear and they can't see and they can't receive. That's a really scary place for those that make it a habit to resist and reject the Lord. You, you only get to do that for so long before you get locked in. And if you guys remember, I, I gave the illustration, I think a week ago about, you know, making ugly faces when I was a kid. And my mom would say, your face going to get stuck like that. You know, one day your face going to get stuck like that. She was trying to deter me from making an ugly face. And so, someone that gets themselves in a position of rejecting the Lord, rejecting the Lord, rejecting the Lord. You need to be careful because one day you might find that you're stuck there, that the Holy Spirit is no longer wooing you. There's no longer a conviction against what you're doing that you end up stuck in that same predicament. So verses seven through 10, Paul says, what then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. So some people read this and they think, man, that's not fair. You know, like how how can it be fair if God, you know, gives them a spirit of stupor that so they don't hear, they don't see, they don't understand? Understand that that came after a period of rejection and everybody here needs to be warned of that. If you're saved and you've surrendered and, you know, you don't resist the Lord, you're fine. But for the person that's gotten himself into a, a habit, um, and this is a real issue. There are people that go to church every Sunday, but they ain't saved. There are people that listen to sermons and read the word and involve themselves in Christian stuff. But they never bow their knees. They never really surrender or submit themselves to live according to the word of God. God says there's a there's a there's a real danger in doing that, because just like Israel, when I look at them, I'm thinking it should have been really easy for people that were led through the Red Sea supernaturally to believe in God, who were fed every day supernatural manna from heaven to believe in God, who when they were thirsty, God gave them water out of a rock. For them to believe in God, for those that were led by the day by a cloud, a big cloud covering just them, leading them during the day to keep them shady and a pillar of fire at night. All these supernatural things all over the place where God was saying God was present there leading them. But in the, in the face of all that, the majority of them time and time again said, man, we want a God like everybody else. I want, I want one of them little gods I can put in my pocket. I want to set one up in my room like this so I can see it and worship it like the pagans do. And they will reject God and reject him. And so God would at a point say, what else can I show you? Right. You're stuck right there. I'm no longer working on your behalf. Same is true for you and I. God will illuminate by the Holy Spirit. God will cause you to be able to see your need for him. He will open blind eyes and soften hard hearts and cause you to be aware of your need for him and what he's done for you. But you still get to make a choice. And you make the choice one time too many in the light of all of that illumination. I still want to do my thing. And one day you're going to be stuck doing your thing. Problem with doing your thing is your thing won't make it to heaven. That won't get you there. So we want to all be cautioned about that. That's what happened to them. How come a people that saw so much at large received him? I mean, there's there's a very small percentage of Jewish people that become Christian. How come? Because as a nation, as a group, as a history, they rejected him. So they're an example to us of what not to do. What do we want to do instead of rejecting the Lord? We want to be. We want to be. We want to be just like good ground. God, whatever you say, we believe you. God, your word, we take you at your word. We trust you. We want to do the exact opposite of what they're doing. Um, I talked to my dad, and um, he was reminding me that when I was a kid, um, I have an older brother that's about ten years older than me. And if you can imagine being a little kid and seeing somebody that much bigger get a spanking. I remember my brother had snuck out with some friends and we shared a room and my dad had to leave at night to go get him. My dad came in my room and said, where's your brother? I was like, I don't know. And he said he wasn't in the bed and my my dad had to go get him. And my dad brought him back. And, you know, my dad is my dad is the coolest, calmest, collected brother you want to meet. But when it's spanking time, like another man came out and. He brought my brother into the room and I was laying in my bed and my dad went and got the it looked like a motorcycle belt. It was the real deal. (laughs) Fully leather, you know, and um, I remember watching him tear my brother up. He whooped him. My brother, who in my eyes was just big, you know, big old God, tall guy. And I'm like, he's crying and getting whooped. And I was like, my dad, he laughs now. He said, you know, you did. You came. I was like, Dad, what did he do? I just want to know because I'm never going to do that. <laughs> Whatever he did, he said, I was, he said, I kept asking. I want to know what did he do so I could never do it. And because I saw him like, I don't ever want one of those. Man, That's a whole nother level of whooping right there, you know. And so, too, as we look at Israel, right, and we see a group that rejected God's goodness and rejected his mercy. And now what they've gone through, the majority of them die and go to hell. Right. Though they're God's chosen people, though, God's had special favor on them. We got to look at that and say, God, I don't ever want to do that. Well, show me what they did. So I don't ever do that. I don't want to be separated from you, Lord. I don't want to be someone that was made aware, but didn't receive. I don't want to be that person. And so what do we do? Opposite of what they did, they rejected. We need to receive. They didn't just take him at his word. We need to take him at his word. They put forth their works and their religion. We need to put down our works and put down our religion. And by faith, just be thankful for God's grace. So so often in the church, we we want so bad to have a part of it. Sometimes in the church, it, it sounds like people are putting forth themselves so much, and we got to be really careful about putting forth ourselves. We really want to be putting forth Jesus, even in the church. People brag about you know, well, I've been walking the Lord this long, and I and I and I and I. We really need to be bragging about Jesus. He put up with me for this many years he has been gracious to me for this long. He got me when I was in this condition, kept me through that condition, forgave me for all my folly along the way. And I'm still with him because of him. And we really want to get good at being honest about how we got saved and how we're being kept. Because by the power of God. Amen. Everybody here that's saved today, if you be honest, you're not still walking because of how faithful you've been, just how faithful he's been. To you and me when we've been unfaithful. It's how good he's been to some really naughty kids. Amen? So we want to keep that in mind. As you're ministering to people and talking to people, I don't want to boast me. I need to boast up Jesus. So merciful, so good. That's what they did that messed up everything. They wanted to have too much of a part of what God did according to grace. We just want to be good recipients of grace. Man, I got free gift. That's good enough for me. I'm thankful that I've been a recipient of grace. We want to be okay with that. Amen? Amen? that we receive God's goodness on someone else's behalf, not on my behalf, but on someone else's behalf. One one other little illustration. When When I was in high school, we had a guy on our football team that was he was absolutely all that. He was all city, all state. He was a tailback, a linebacker. He was just one of those guys that was super gifted and he was a beast. And so he brought a lot of positive attention to the school. He brought out USC and UCLA and all the big schools. Everybody came to watch him. He was highly sought out. And we went out one morning for one of the guys at school's birthday and we drunk alcohol. We weren't saved, So we got drunk on the way to school and we got to school and, you know, we had done this before. But one of the guys got caught and they took him into office and he gave up a list of names. That guy, you know what I mean. <laughs> so uh, one of my friend's girlfriends came to all the classrooms, and she was a TA. She was like, "This person snitched on all you guys, and they're gonna be calling you out. This is why they're calling you out." And sure enough, we all got called into the office. And I remember sitting there, senior year. I'm like, "We are gonna get expelled, man." You know, well, nothing you could do. You busted. You know, I'm sitting in this office. Here come all my buddies, one by one. That we'd all been snitched on. But you know what was a saving grace for us? Joe Henderson went out that time. He was there. And they can't expel him. I never forget this. They had a breathalyzer. This is the vice principal of the school, and he, he walked around. And he said, "I smell it on you guys." Everybody wanted to just confess, and everybody was just zip lip, didn't say nothing. He did this in front of us. He took the breathalyzer, he took out the batteries, he closed it back up. Started with him, had him blowing it. Obviously, nothing registered. Had everybody blow. He said, "I don't know why nothing's registering, but y'all just gonna have to sit in here for the day." And we were like, "Word! <laughs> oh, that's a great idea." Nobody's mama got called. I was like, and I, I know for a fact they would have loved to have kicked out some of these kids, but it was because he was with us, right? I'm, 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 I'm clear on that. It wasn't because I was there. I wasn't that important to their program. That kid right there, because he was there. They were like, "Man, y'all all got to get a pass." And I, and I'm thankful today. I'm glad I, I got. I had so many ways that I almost didn't graduate, you know. But that was a. Uh, I know that I made it out of that because of somebody else. I got to know the same is true in terms of my walk. How did I get out of my jam spiritually? Not because of me, because of Jesus. Jesus is a somebody else. He's the one that's gotten me out of my jam. It just will help you have a healthy perspective. You won't end up being a, 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 a spiritually prideful individual when you realize that it's all been done for you by Jesus. And we just need to keep that in mind. Amen. Moving on now, look at verses 11 through 21. It says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should not fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles and I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy, those who are my flesh, and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, so that you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root, And fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. For you will say then, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. So, Let's run this back with verse 11. He says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? He says, certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. This is the whole thing here. God used the Jewish people falling from grace, them not coming to him through grace. As they did that, it made way for the Gentiles. The attention turned to us, to those that are not Jews. And we were being saved by grace. And then God said, as all the all the Gentiles are getting saved, he's provoking them to jealousy. They're looking at what we have freely in Christ. What we're enjoying in terms of relationship with God is provoking them to jealousy. that They're looking at what they're missing out on through us. But then he warns us that we wouldn't become prideful, right? So we want to be really careful as the church of Jesus Christ, how we speak about the Jewish people. And I want to be I want to be real clear on that with us. Are the Jews still God's chosen people? They are. God says in the Old Testament, I will bless those who bless you of Israel. I will curse those who curse you. Is that still true? It is true. That's why I always pay attention when we're having elections and people are getting brought into office at what's their attitude towards the Jewish people? Because God said, I'll bless those that bless you. I believe that America has been in a blessed predicament for many years because we're one of the nations that have stood by Israel. Because God said, look, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. They're still God's chosen people. Why is God preserving them? Because for you guys that studied the book of Revelation with us, as you come to the end times and the church is raptured and taken away. We actually will see this later on in the chapter. During the tribulation period, that's when the Jews at large are going to finally wake up and say, oh, no, they're going to get saved during the tribulation period. There are going to be tons of Jews during that period of time that finally, like the light turns on. They realize that they've they've had it wrong and they're going to get saved. They're going to evangelize. They're going to be going out. So God says, look, I I got a plan for them that goes all the way to the end. But meanwhile, I'm working with the church. I'm working with those that will come by faith. I'm working with those that that will come to me according to faith. So yeah, they've stumbled, but God said it's not a complete fall. They stumbled, they've fallen, but it's, it's just made room for us, the Gentile church, and God is provoking them to jealousy through us.
0: Do you ever start thinking about God's immense love for you and get lost in the amazement? He loved us enough to send his son to die in our place. But Paul, in his letter to the Romans, takes it even a step further when he says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't look at humanity and think we were doing such a great job on our own. He looked at us and saw that we were broken sinners, lost in rebellion, and he loved us anyway. If you haven't yet made the decision to follow him, know that he is looking at you and loving you. He loves you just the way you are today. If you like to learn what it means to follow Him, you can call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to walk you through the story of what God has done to offer you salvation. Once again, that phone number is 310-245-4811 you've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the Book of Romans in this series, a book filled with wisdom and instructions for life. If you missed a message and want to go back, you can find all our messages on our website, calvaryenglewood.org. That's calvaryenglewood.org. Look under the Media tab for links to YouTube and our mobile app. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you again. Meet us right here next time for another great message on a transforming word.